This is KJZZ, your news and information station, on air, online, and on your phone. I'm Tiara Vianne. Let's look now at this week's stories you don't want to miss. It's the podcast designed to catch you up on some highlights from our community. Thanks for listening for the week of January 1st, 2024. The Lukeville Port of Entry opened early Thursday morning in southern Arizona. It's a busy thoroughfare for travelers coming both north and south that was closed early last month amid an increase in migrants and asylum seekers arriving nearby. Elisa Resnick has this story. Lukeville serves thousands of Arizona tourists headed to Rocky Point and Sonoran visitors headed north. Pima County Supervisor Adelita Grijalva says she welcomes the reopening. But she says without more action from Washington on immigration reform, these issues will persist. There's going to be a lot of dragging of feet. And unfortunately, I think Lukeville and, you know, counties like Pima are going to be the victims. Grijalva says families have been separated, like one Ajo resident who couldn't visit his six-year-old son just across the border in Sonoita. Meanwhile, locals on both sides have been feeling the economic impacts. Chris Villarreal lives in Sonoita and commutes to work at a gas station about 30 miles up the road in Y, Arizona. He couldn't come for a month. In my opinion, I think they shouldn't have never closed the border. You know, because this is something that's always going to happen, you know, with all the people crossing and all that. They should, it should have just stayed open. Hundreds of asylum seekers and migrants were sometimes waiting days in the desert for processing. Border Patrol agents are still processing large numbers of people at various points of the border now. Alisa Resnick, KJ, ZZ News, Tucson. In education news. The Arizona Department of Child Safety is making a concerted effort to reduce the number of foster children in group homes. Wayne Shutsky reports the push comes after the department successfully reduced the number of children in the state's care to the lowest level since 2008. While the department reduced the number of children in out-of-home care in recent years, the percentage of foster kids in congregate group homes has remained steady. That's a problem, says Senator T.J. Shope, chairman of the Arizona Senate's Health and Human Services Committee. If the audit has shown us much of anything, the bulk of the problems with these children stem from, uh, from group homes, etc. The Auditor General's office told lawmakers about a litany of issues with DCS's oversight of group homes dating back years. That includes the department's slow responses to complaints and delayed enforcement actions when violations occur. DCS CEO David Lujan, who just took over the department in March, says the department is focused on finding ways to place more children with community foster parents or family members in lieu of group homes. The research shows that um, children have much better outcomes when they can stay with family or, or extended family members, and so that's why we want to do it. Lujan also committed to adopting the Auditor General's recommendations to improve DCS's oversight of group homes. Wayne Shetsky, KJZZ News, Phoenix. And this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. Thanks for listening. Have you been to the Wrigley Mansion? It's a timeless estate that combines historic 1930s grandeur with modern cuisine. Join KJZZ at the Wrigley Mansion on February 17th for the First Press Fine Wine Festival sponsored by Clear Channel Outdoor. More information and tickets at firstpress.kjzz.org. Now from KJZZ Original Productions. Below average snowfall this year is bad news for the Colorado River. From the show, here's co-host Lauren Gilger. Last year, the drought on the Colorado River was eased some by generous rain and snowfall throughout the southwest. But so far this winter, we're seeing what some are calling a snow drought. 
Snow totals across the West are lower than average for this time of year. Ski resorts are making snow to get skiers on the slopes, and all of it has big implications for the shrinking Colorado River, which flows to about 40 million people across the Southwest. Here to tell us more about how we're looking so far this winter is Alex Hager, who covers the Colorado River Basin for KUNC. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Lauren. Begin with the numbers here for us, Alex. Like, what does it look like so far when we say that these averages are lower than normal? Well, it's a it's a little meager. So when we're talking about the amount of snow that falls in the West as it pertains to the Colorado River, most of what we're looking at is in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of the water in the Colorado River starts as snow in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And right now it's not looking great. Most regions of that state are about 70%, 60% of average for this time of year. And if we look at the other two states that account for the, the vast majority of the water that starts as snow in the Colorado River, Utah and Wyoming, they're looking pretty much the same. Uh, that has left us with a year that is well below normal. Uh, I'm looking at a chart right now of the last two decades. It looks like this year is either the bottom or or one of the bottom three years in terms of, you know, over the last 20 years, Mm. uh, you know, amount of snow for, for January 4th. Right. And as you're sort of describing there, like the the water in the Colorado River, the supply of water there has mostly to do with the snowfall up north in the mountains, less so to do with whether or not we get rain down here. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, Most of the water in the Colorado River starts as snow. A lot of it uh, stays snow uh, into the spring and kind of slowly melts off, giving water managers this reliable base of kind of trickle that fills up the major reservoirs. And, Mm -hmm. And because of that, very little of the water in the system falls as rain, um, especially, you know, water falling as rain in Arizona and, and Nevada. If you do look at the few areas that have snow in uh, Arizona, they are also well below average. There's just a few measuring sites yeah. and, and they're showing uh, about, you know, 60 percent for the highest and 25 percent for the lowest. OK, so so scientists, water managers, climatologists, they're watching this snowfall very closely. We want those ski resorts to be full of snow. Are they concerned at this point? Ski resorts are concerned to an extent. Um, I talked with uh, an an industry analyst who who kind of studies these things. And he said, look, you know, although there is pretty limited terrain opening, especially at this point in the year when a lot of your trips are, you know, families coming for the holidays, they've Mm -hmm. had these trips booked for months, as long as they are spinning some lifts folks are going to come regardless. They've already booked their flights. They've already booked their hotels. And because of the way that the ski industry has been changing, a lot of ski resorts and the companies that own them rely more on kind of pre-sales of season passes. Mm. So regardless of whether or not people are actually coming, regardless of whether people are skiing, regardless of whether they're enjoying their skiing, those companies have been selling passes that, you know, people are already kind of locking in over the summer and fall. Uh, there was a recent earnings call from Vail Resorts where they said they expect 73% of their skier visits worldwide to come from season pass holders. Mm. So if you know a, a person with an Epic Pass or an Icon Pass or someone who has some sort of season ticket to a ski resort, they are contributing to a trend that means less anxiety for ski resorts, even when the snow is bad. Even when the snow is bad, not not the fresh powder they want, right? What about scientists and water managers? Like, is there time for, you know, the snowfall to to, to come back to average, to, to help out here and, and even things out in the next couple of months? 
there's definitely time. The scientists who study this do not do an awful lot of hand wringing if there is a dry December. Okay. It's not a great start. It has them kind of ready to be on edge. But, you know, I talked to the assistant state climatologist here in Colorado, and she said it's really dependent on what we see in January and February. Um, there is a lot of time to make it up. We will need a pretty significant January and February with a lot of snow to actually start closing that gap. Unfortunately, because of climate change, that is less likely to happen. It is warmer and oftentimes drier. And so the probability that we are able to make that up in a couple months is relatively low, but there is definitely still a chance. So then the big question is, what if it doesn't, right? Like, what if January and February are low snowfall totals, too? What does that do for the water supply for the Colorado River? Well, we're really looking at how the amount of snowmelt and runoff influences major reservoirs in the Colorado River Basin. Um, so, you know, we hear a lot about Lake Powell and Lake Mead, and yet again, they are kind of the stars of this show. So realistically, we are not in immediate, immediate crisis because there was a really good snow year last year. We're not going to run out of water. There is not going to be uh, sort of a doomsday scenario if okay. we have limited snow. But it is going to make things kind of stressful for the people who manage those reservoirs, especially Lake Powell, which stores water in Utah and northern Arizona. If water dips too low there, it risks infrastructural damage to the big dam that holds it back and the hydropower turbines inside that provide electricity to 5 million people. Yeah. And so... A lot of water managers are mostly focused on keeping water levels high enough to avoid infrastructural damage. That's somewhere around 20 to 30 percent. And so they might have to do some creative math to take water from other reservoirs and move it down to Lake Powell. Mm -hmm. But if we have a low snow year, it will introduce some anxiety over how to manage that reservoir. But ultimately, I expect that most everyone will be getting the water they expect to get, farms and cities from Wyoming down to Mexico. Okay. All right. Well, not all bad then. Alex Hager covers the Colorado River Basin for KUNC, joining us to talk about snowfall this winter. Alex, thanks as always. Thanks, Lauren. Have a good day. In science news. Next week, NASA will respond to a Navajo Nation request to delay a moon launch that could carry cremated human remains. The ashes come from private companies known for offering memorial services in space. From our Arizona Science Desk, Nicholas Gerbis reports. In 1998, NASA drew objections from the Navajo Nation when its lunar prospector carried an ounce of Flagstaff planetary scientist Gene Schumacher's ashes to the moon. Current President Boo Nigren said NASA promised at that time to consult Native Americans in the future and discuss the sacred role the moon plays in Navajo and other Native American cultures. It was really easy for me as president to make that position because I said, you know, what, if NASA promised to consult us back then, they should consult us. The issue has special weight for the Navajo people who have specific traditions and spiritual values regarding death and human remains, including not discussing death, avoiding burial sites, and not handling materials belonging to a deceased person. Nicholas Gerbis, KJZZ News, Phoenix. And this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. In business news. 
The Arizona Attorney General's office says Cox Communications will spend millions of dollars to settle a lawsuit over allegations that the company broke the state's Consumer Fraud Act. Court records say the cable television and telephone provider denies that the payments detailed in a court-enforceable deal are for having broken any law. Matthew Casey reports. The case is about fees levied on customers for phone service, live broadcasts from local TV stations, and regional sports networks. Court records say rising cable fees were not mentioned with price lock guarantee deals, good for up to two years, advertised by Cox Communications. The settlement says Cox Communications must pay $10 million to the state, plus the company also owes roughly $3 million in payouts and account credits to current and former customers. Cox Communications said via statement that the case is largely focused on a pricing model that was updated years ago. Matthew Casey, KJZZ News, Phoenix. And finally, in Fronteras News. Klee Benali, a Navajo man who advocated on behalf of Native issues and environmental causes, died in Phoenix Saturday. From the Fronteras desk in Flagstaff, Michel Morisco reports. Benali was known as an activist and musician. He was a vocal opponent of Flagstaff's Arizona snowball, snowmaking at the ski resort. Thirteen tribes considered the area sacred. In 2013, he told KJZZ that skiers confuse an adrenaline rush with the spirituality held by Native peoples about the mountains. That undermines our legitimate connection and deeply held beliefs that we maintain since time immemorial. Benali also protested police violence and racial profiling, and he advocated for the cleanup of uranium mines where ore was extracted from the Navajo Nation. The guitarist for Native American punk band Blackfire was 48. Michel Marisco, KJZZ News, Flagstaff. And this has been the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast, made possible in part by Helios Education Foundation and Alliance Bank, the Vitalist Health Foundation, the Intel Corporation and Beach Fleischman, the Arizona Community Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Thank you for listening to KJZZ and for your generous support. I'm Tiara Vian, and this is KJZZ, your news and information station. Happy New Year!